You're very welcome back into today's programme. Now, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the show by Francis Byrne, the Director of Policy at Early Childhood Ireland. Francis, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having Early Childhood Ireland on. No problem at all. Uh, Francis, you might give us your reaction to this annual barometer which has found strong demand for high-quality care for younger children in the Connacht Ulster region. Yes, indeed. I I think it'll be well known to listeners that um, Ireland has had uh, a massive underspend in this area and this year the government is going to spend just over €1 billion. So Early Childhood Ireland in that context uh, conducted our sixth annual uh, opinion poll, which we're we're releasing as our annual barometer in 2023. And and that's showing um, that 79% of adults across the country agree that every child should be guaranteed access to high quality and inclusive early years and school age care in their own community, rising to 82% in the Connacht Ulster area, which is the highest um, support level in the country. Now, this poll is in its sixth year and it's carried out by Red Sea. Talk to us about why it was conducted and set up in the first place. Well, Early Childhood Ireland was interested in finding out what were people's um, attitudes towards the provision of early years and school age care, uh, what their views were about essentially who should pay for it. We have always said, and it's not a popular thing to say at times, that quality provision for children needs to be expensive. It should be expensive. It's expensive in other countries, but in other countries, government is is investing billions as thankfully this government has started to do. So that was really our initial interest and also to try to find out attitudes, whether uh, people, um, how people value uh, the education of children under five uh, compared to the education of children over five and so on. So we have some multi-annual findings with in um, this year's barometer, as well as standalone findings, um, such as the, the the guarantee of access within communities, which, as I said, has its highest level of support um, in the Connacht Ulster re- area. Mm. Now, this uh, poll, I presume it's a sample of the general population. Um, the percentages are quite high, and a lot of the, the questions have been asked. You'd, you'd have to wonder who would actually say no to them. <laughs> well, that's very interesting um, because we have actually seen the uh, an, an increase over time um, because, you know, as um, I suppose public awareness has grown um, about this area, um, people are realising how important it is for children. We have the so-called free preschool year, which is only just um, a decade um, or so old. So for the first time, we've seen a generation of three-year-olds attend preschool, um, which has really introduced their parents and their grandparents and their aunties and uncles to the whole concept of the importance of early years education and care. We did ask one new question this year, which is about uh, whether employers should be legally obliged to top up wages when the parents of new babies are on maternity or paternity leave. And 58% um, agreed, which is matched in Connacht Ulster. What's interesting is though that 63% of women agree because as we know a lot of women are left, pardon the pun, carrying the baby. So I know you might say this is a bit like motherhood and apple pie but we do get into the nitty gritty of the detail 
of what kind of support should be available. And and we have also witnessed uh, year-on-year increases for the recognition of the importance of the 30,000 staff who work in early years and school-age settings. So it's great for Early Childhood Ireland to see this uh, year-on-year consistently high levels of support and in mer- many areas growing. Um, and despite the one billion, this is an area that is still under-invested in. So this um, provides us with great um, ammunition, if you will, to have conversations with policymakers, uh, with TDs and uh, senators throughout uh, Connacht Ulster and beyond to show them the high levels of public support for this area. Now, we have been lagging behind a lot of our EU counterparts on this issue and the whole issue of state paying for early uh, childcare. And I suppose there are a lot of benefits if we were to move in that direction. One of them notably being that mum wouldn't have to stay at home or dad wouldn't have to stay at home and you have extra people back into the workforce earlier. And we need that. Yeah, I mean, certainly the the argument, the economic arguments are really no-brainers. And if you look at the countries that do this well, you have high levels of um, participation in the the labour market by both men and women. They're the countries that spend the most. They also pay for one parent, at least in a two-parent family, to stay at home for the first year of a child, recognising that that's really important for those children. And that's certainly something that we have seen uh, support grow for in in the early childhood Ireland barometer. But on the social and educational side, there are even more persuasive arguments about how good it is for children to have high quality access to, um, or I beg your pardon, access to high quality um, education and care in their young years before they start primary school. And that stretches not just to within settings, but also in childminders homes. And we are seeing moves to bring childminders into the net, if you will, so that the many of them who would like to have um, qualifications and access to uh, basic training will be able to do that. So it's all part of the picture. And that's what happens in those countries that you've mentioned, where they have high levels um, of expenditure in this important area. You know, these first five years is the highest level of brain development um, for children in our whole lives across um, our entire lives, even when we become adults. So it's really important um, that high quality care, beginning with one or both parents in the first year and then followed with a combination of parental care and high quality centre-based or childminder home um, care and education for children. Other countries can do this, they do it well, they have excellent outcomes and it's you know great to see that Ireland is moving further on that journey and certainly what Early Childhood Ireland's sixth barometer is showing is that the public is completely behind the government um, to increase investment so that every child can be guaranteed access um, to that uh, high quality and inclusive care. There is another elephant in the room, and that is the ageing demographics of Ireland's population. And we do need to incentivise and put any way, away any barriers that might be there to stop people having children so that we have a young population coming up that we can then tax and then that goes back into the economy as well. Again, a, a, a no-brainer of an economic argument, and I know that people will who are childless will often get very tired of these debates and, um, you know, might be questioning um, investment in this area. But you're absolutely right to put it in its narrowest economic terms. And it's certainly not the argument that Early Childhood Ireland would be making. Um, But indeed, it's it's a fact that today's children um, are are going to grow up and pay the pensions of the the generation or two who are older than them. 
Um, and that's certainly one of the reasons why, even when governments change in Nordic countries, um, that, it, you know, the, the investment continues because it is considered in the best interests of children, the best interests of the economy and the best interests of wider society that children are supported in the first few years of, of their lives, no matter what choices their parents are making. Um, and indeed, uh, children, no matter what their background is, economically or otherwise, receive the same high level, high quality care and education, regardless of where they live, what their family background is and so on. It's been a turbulent enough few years for the sector. I know that uh, the cost of insurance has, has really weighed heavy on the sector and also staffing crisis and then being able to pay staff a proper wage as well has been an issue as well. There, there's no doubt that staffing is um, undoubtedly the number one issue facing um, settings, our Early Childhood Ireland's member settings um, in Connacht and beyond. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and that's ongoing. Steps have been made to try and improve that. There are a number of um, welcome developments um, and reports that the government has signed off on. Core funding has meant that more uh, money can flow in when to, to try and retain higher quality qualified staff. And again, we know that that's what those Nordic countries get right. They invest in staff. They insist upon um, high qualifications. The Irish sector is moving in that direction. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um, of um, educators who are working full time will go to college uh, part time um, in Atlantic Technical University and beyond to get those qualifications as they work. The commitment is, uh, you know, and dedication is um, amazing um, despite uh, continuing low wages. But as I said, you know, Early Childhood Ireland has encouraged and lobbied um, and pressurised uh, decision makers to really um, confront that reality about the disparities between uh, the pay of the educators, some of them very highly qualified, who are um, tasked with uh, educating and caring for our youngest citizens compared with um, professionals in other areas. And it's very heartening to see that every single year since we started polling, when we asked the question about um, the terms and conditions of those uh, 30,000 educators, this year we're seeing the highest level, 74% of all adults agree that once early year staff who work directly with children are as qualified as other professionals, their terms and conditions should reflect that. So again, the population is on track and supporting um, Early Childhood Ireland and um, urging, joining us in urging the government to keep focusing on the professionals in the sector. That's one of the easiest way that ways that you guarantee quality to children, that you have high, highly qualified staff who um, are staying in settings and you're reducing staff turnover. It's absolutely critical for young children. I know the Cabinet are meeting to sign off on their support package. Are your sector expecting anything out of that? I think that uh, from from what we've seen um, in in the media today, um, it, it's looking like um, the the funds will mostly be given directly uh, to families. Um, we have already seen subsidies for the national childcare scheme increase um, 
this year since the 2nd of January, which is undoubtedly um, helping parents who are saving up to 25% on their fees. And I think the government has signalled that they intend um, matching that amount um, later this year when they announce next year's budget. Um, so we're not expecting anything directly, um, but we are um, very, very hopeful now that the government has reached its promised target of uh, one billion, just over 1 billion euro, that they will continue to invest year on year to bring us up to those Nordic levels. And so that parents in Galway and beyond can have certainty when they're planning their families um, and certainty about the quality that their children um, are receiving, whether that's in creches or in childminders' homes. All right, we'll have to leave it there. Francis Byrne, the Director of Policy at Early Childhood Ireland. Thank you for joining us on Galway Talks. Now, though, it's the moment you've all been waiting for because we are giving you the chance to win every single day this week. We have a €100 euro voucher to give away each day for Mubles that can be used in-store or in the Mubles Cafe. They're based there in the Briar Hill Business Park in Ballybrit. And during the Mubles stock clearance sale, there are massive savings on a host of X-Display, cancelled customer orders and excess stock. It includes designer sofas, bedroom furniture, occasional furniture, dining tables, bar stools, kids furniture and a host of items in our homewares department. They have valued what they have to sell at half a million euro so it's huge. To be in with a chance of winning, text the word SALE and your name and your location to 086 That's 086 Get texting. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. You're welcome back into today's programme. Now, I forgot to mention at the outset, of course, it's a day of great significance today. It's Shrove Tuesday. Pancake Tuesday, as it's more popularly known now. And I have to say I'm disappointed. Darren Kelly, I was expecting a big tower of pancakes here. I meant to look after you. Well, I don't know how to make a pancake. I think I'd burn them. Anyways, we'll, we'll be touching on that a little later on in the programme. But first, we're going to go to something that we touched on a little earlier this week because news came out there of the big ministerial trips for St. Patrick's Day. And our next uh, caller on the programme actually emailed into us uh, to criticise the merit of these government ministers travelling across the globe for uh, St. Patrick's Day. We're joined on the line now by Creedon Omarco. Creedon, a very good morning to you. Good morning, how are things? Not too bad now, not too bad. Creedon, explain to us why you felt the need and felt impassioned enough to email into us here and uh, state your objections to ministers going across the globe for St. Patrick's Day. Sure thing. Um, I suppose, you know, we, you know, there may be some diplomatic merit to these journeys, you know, but the one thing we can be absolutely sure of is, you know, the impact of these emissions, the impact of these flight emissions, the impact of our carbon emissions overall. We know that we have got to limit, you know, carbon dioxide emissions as much as possible before 2030 if we want to keep within, you know, 1.5 degrees of warming since the Industrial Revolution. That is is critical, not just for for us, uh, it's critical for people around the world, for marginalised communities uh, everywhere. It's critical for species and you know the incredible biodiversity that we have here, again, in Ireland and around the world. So every action we can do to 
lower our emissions is great and, and a good step that we can take. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, is or are these flights worth it when we weigh it up against, you know, the environmental impact they will have for years to come? Now, you know what you're on about as well, Creedon. Talk to us about your qualifications. So uh, at the moment, I'm the Science Outreach Executive for an NGO called Midland Science. And I've done some previous work in my master's in uh, environmental science as well. And I suppose this is just the area I'm, I'm interested in. I'm interested in the environment. I'm interested in, you know, communities around the world and how they are impacted by the effects of climate change. Now, ironically enough, the Environment Minister, Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, he's going to the other side of the earth. Indeed, yeah. So, again, like I don't want to, you know, intentionally focus on individual people. Anyone taking a flight should be more cognizant of the impact they're having. That includes me, that includes you, that includes anyone who is, is lucky enough or privileged enough to actually get on a plane. Only about 10% of people across the world will ever fly on a plane. So immediately, if you've been on a plane, you are part of a very small minority, uh, leading to very damaging emissions. And then when we think about those who do fly a lot for business travel or whatever the case may be, you know, only 1% of those flying are you know, causing 50% of emissions. So we really have to be thinking, do we have to fly as much as, as much as we are? Do we have to take these journeys? Is there a way we can break them up? Is there specifically a need to go to the likes of Singapore for a few short days? Mm. Now, I know that a lot of politicians and diplomats will say, particularly those who are discussing topics related to climate change, that we need to act very fast. The fast way of travel is by flight. If we can go and have meetings, whether that be G7 or whatever format that takes, a UN meeting, and make a big deal on climate change, that that flight or those flights that have been taken by different diplomats are worth it in the grander scheme of things. Well, I don't know. I would counter that in saying that getting on Zoom is probably quicker than getting on a flight. So I think there are remedies around the situation. And when the, the climate crisis is as you know devastating as it is and as, you know, bearing down on us in the way it is, like literally every single kilogram of carbon dioxide, of greenhouse gases that we don't emit will benefit us, will benefit our biodiversity, our species, our plants, and our world for years to come. Mm. So every single flight that we can avoid, every single car journey that we can avoid, whatever you can do uh, as an individual is important, but we do need to look at the more like systemic changes of, you know, needing to fly for business travel, needing to fly for diplomatic journeys and holidays. Yeah. Even the likes of Zoom and using technology in that, because we know some of the, the lithium and different things that are used to make these different technologies, they're all mined in places like Bolivia and South America that causes deforestation and the, the process is used to extract them and then bring them to where they need to be manufactured. There is a carbon footprint with them as well. Absolutely, no. And like, there is a carbon footprint in, in everything we do. Anyone who tells you any different is, is trying to sell you something. You know, there is, there's a carbon footprint associated with this phone call that we're having now. But it, again, that is why we need to look past 
you know, what individuals are doing and look at the kind of grander scale, um, you know, systemic structures of how things are made up. You know, why do people need to to fly around the world for business travel? Why do people need to to use technology or drive to work every day? If people could avoid those emissions, um, you know, even if we are staying at home, using our laptops, using Zoom, things like that, emissions would fall compared to driving to and from work every day and inject a bit of free time back into people's lives, not having to commute. So when we're talking about the benefits of dealing with, with climate change, it's important to think about all of the other things that we could get along with it. That said, absolutely. You know, there is no doubt that the the things that we are doing, you know, mining for metals for EVs and things like that does have an impact on people living in the global south, does have an impact on, you know, child labor, does have an impact on people who are being paid pennies for their work that we are benefiting from. So I think anyone who is genuinely concerned about the climate crisis has to consider those people going forward and has to consider what can be done to to help those people. And I love your positive approach to it because a lot of times we're having this debate on climate action. It's very much, you can't do this. We have to cut back on that. We have to tax this. But we need to look at what we can do and, and make it make it proactive. And I know that technology is going to play a big part in this. We need to look at things like hydrogen fuel and we need to look at all the things that we can and bring these things forward to improve the climate outlook. Yeah, again, so there are kind of the the two streams I would have are, you know, and and most people I think in this sphere would have are individual impacts and what you can do. So say, for example, like I don't own a car. I very intentionally, you know, don't want to own a car anytime soon. Um, I take as much public transport as I can. Even if I work out between September and December, you know, I avoided about half a ton of carbon dioxide emissions by taking public transport for work and things like that. So like that is an impact I can have. Some people might find it easier to be vegetarian. Some people might find it easier to not fly. You know, I have a friend <laughs> I know that took, um, I think, close to 40 flights last year. You know, these are the kind of areas that you as an individual can have an immediate, quick impact and change. But people can only have so much of an impact in their daily lives. People still need to, to get to work. People still need to, you know, use their computers, have their phones. People still need to, you know, have roads to travel on. So whatever we can do in those areas to, you know, systemically reduce the need for producing carbon dioxide, producing emissions, that is what we need to strive towards. Mm. There is a bigger picture as well, and it feeds into this conversation we're having about the ministers travelling for St. Patrick's Day. Even if Ireland and if Everyone in Ireland as an individual decided to pull up their bootstraps and the whole country and government, we all rode in, made Ireland this green utopia, no one drove cars and we all went back to living a very organic lifestyle. If the likes of a China or the likes of a South American country decides that they're going to increase theirs, like there, there might not be any real benefit on a worldwide level of us doing that. And that's why trips like these arguably need to be made to bring people along. Well, I suppose, for like for example, you know, last year China invested more in solar technology than anywhere else in the world combined. So, China is leading the way to decarbonize their economy. They have 
um, already lower per capita emissions than we do in Ireland and across many countries in the EU. So countries like China, India, they are making these these strides to to decarbonize their their economies as quickly as possible. And um, so and if if everyone took the approach that, oh, you know, we're a small country, we don't need to do anything. Um, nothing would get done, you know, and, you know, climate change is, is one of those things that it requires the collaborative effort of basically every single person, um, which, you know, we haven't really seen before, but it is absolutely what has to be done. Mm. And, and I make the point that, you know, and this is what's coming from the IPCC, um, that every single kilogram of carbon dioxide is important. So whether that's, you know, you not taking the, the car to the shop, whether that's these ministers avoiding these flights, whether that is, you know, uh, growing your own veg at home, whatever the case may be, every little step we can do, every little thing we can do is beneficial in the long run. And I take your point on China there, but is it not easy for them to move towards renewables when they're coming from a very low base at the moment? All you have to do is look at some of the, the news stories from China. You can see people wearing masks due to all the smog in all the cities. Yeah, but I think that goes back to, you know, there's an air quality problem in, in Ireland and around Europe as well. You know, there are days here in Ireland with the air quality that's worse than uh, Beijing. You know, like these impacts are, are happening. These things are here. Um, I suppose I, I try to make the point again, you know, China invested more in solar than any other country combined. Like we're talking about radical transformation here, um, not just a few solar panels here and there. So China really are leading the way in, in how to decarbonize an economy. I might just get your reaction to the latest uh, EPA report. Uh, we had Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice on about that, and it pro- proposes a big cull in the national herd. A lot of that will be affecting farmers across this region. Is, is that the best way to go about things? Yeah, so, like, unfortunately, we're in a tricky position now. You know, we're, we're limited for time. We're limited for emissions that we can actually put out. Um, the best way, like I, I would not say I'm, I'm qualified to make those judgments, um, you know, but cattle are culled every day. You know, there are thousands of cattle culled each year in Ireland. Um, I think at the current rate of culling, you know, it would take about five, six years for all cattle to be culled. So, you know, this is happening already. Um, so it's funny to me when people get on their high horse saying that we're we're looking to to cull every animal in existence when it's already happening and it happens every day. But those farmers, the people who are are doing this work, the people who are literally putting food on our tables, they need a method of moving away from you know what they're currently doing. They have been brought up even recently with the uh, abolition of the milk quotas. You know, they were encouraged to increase the size of their farms, increase the number of cattle they had, when that is totally the wrong direction we were going. So we need to do everything to ensure that farmers can move away from animal agriculture, whether that's, you know, funding for rewilding, whether that's different, you know, uh, an alteration to the cap structure, whatever that is, um, will have to be done. Mm. 
Well, I suppose that the argument as well that the, the, the small farm will say it's a lot easier for government to take on them than it is the, the airline industry and maybe the airline industry might have a, a bigger bearing on the climate issue. Well, I mean, look, if we look at the EPA's figures, we know that over a third of emissions in Ireland come from agriculture. There's, you know, there's no disputing these not, numbers, not from, you know. Not from cattle, though, we, from the machinery. Or is it? Uh, I... I don't know the exact breakdown, but it would be like I think in agriculture it does have the combination of transport, fertilizers, you know, animal output, whatever the case may be. I I don't have those numbers in front of me, so I'm not going to yeah. get into the distinction between those. But like agriculture is one of the the biggest sectors, and again, it, it comes down to the 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 point on individuals. It's every single area that we can, we should be trying to reduce our emissions. So whether that's on a gigantic dairy farm, whether that's on a small dairy farm, or whether that's just an ordinary family, you know, living at home who doesn't own a farm. Yeah. No, it's interesting and uh, nice insights from you as well. Creedon, we might get you back on again just for a wider discussion on this topic, but uh, thank you for joining us indeed this morning. Perfect. Thank you very much. That is Creedon O'Mark who joining us here on Galway Talks. What do you think about the whole climate action situation? What needs to be done? Let us know on our comment line. That's 0863833553. That is brought to you by Rationale Windows and Doors, bringing light and comfort into your home. Rationale.ie. For more information still to come in this hour of the programme, we'll have your Garda Sapa. Before that, we'll be looking at Shrove Tuesday. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. Now, during uh, the Mablestock clearance sale, there are massive savings on a host of X-Display cancelled com- customer orders and excess stock. This includes designer sofas, bedroom furniture, occasional furniture, dining tables, bar stools, kids' furniture and a host of items in our homewares department. They have valued what they have to sell at half a million euros, so it's huge. If you want to be in with the chance of winning a 100 euro voucher, we're giving one away each day here on the programme. For Mubles, uh, they can be used in-store or at the Mubles cafe all you have to do is text the word sale your name and address to 086 3833 a lot of texts coming in and best of luck to all who have entered that competition now though on the program we're going to turn our attention to pancakes I'm very excited for this one. And we're joined on the line by the marketing manager for the SCEF uh, bar in Goa City, Patrick Ganan, and also the head chef at the SCEF there, Michael Koshona. Uh, gentlemen, you're both very welcome onto the programme this morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. Very well, very well. We'll start with you, uh, Patrick. You're the marketing manager of the SCEF. Talk to us about the initiative you have on today. Anyone who buys a cup of coffee or a cup of tea gets free pancakes. Well, you've taken the wind out of my sails there. That was my pitch. (laughs) So, yeah, today we've got two free pancakes with every tea or coffee bought in the SCEF bar and kitchen all day long, up until 5 p.m. today. Absolutely. Excellent initiative. And has it been busy this morning or what's it been like so far? Yeah, breakfast is usually busy in the SCEF, but this morning there's definitely been an uptake uh, in people taking advantage. Uh, Michael has developed a really nice pancake just for this year. Uh, We produced a video with yourselves uh, that Molly was very kind to come in and video 
in our own kitchen. And people might have seen it online if they haven't. Check out our Facebook and check out Goybe FM's Facebook, where you can see the video of Molly actually making the pancakes himself. And they're fantastic. They're the fluffy, thick ones. Or American style, so is that the, the correct? American word? style. Yeah. Amer- that's that's what they call them now. Very fancy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and where did the idea come for this initiative? Because I suppose Shrove Tuesday or Pancake Tuesday is more popularly known. It would be a big uh, celebration in in the Catholic ethos and the Catholic religion. But what what sort of drove you to to, to, to make this a, a big occasion for yourselves here today and to do this initiative? Well, I suppose when we're sitting down and we're looking at um, initiatives that we can kind of, uh, we're, we're, I suppose the SCEF is located right in the centre of the city in Air Square. And there's a huge amount of traffic going through Air Square every day. And I just thought for ourselves, we sat down as a team and decided, you know, rather than charging for pancakes. And uh, I suppose it's just an opportunity for people to come in, meet with their friends, have a cup of coffee and enjoy some really, really fantastic pancakes. And, you know, it's not to pay for them. And I think that it's that's where we were coming from with the idea, you know. Just give something back to people and enjoy the after, enjoy the day. And thank God it's not raining, so hopefully people are be, as they're passing by will pop in yeah. and take advantage of the offer. You know, yeah, definitely. And I suppose for you as well, it's not going to uh, burst the the purse straps as well because obviously a lot of the ingredients for for pancakes aren't hugely expensive. No, I mean you know I mean that's I suppose a fact cost is a factor for everybody these days with the current economic climate and that so you know it's a factor I suppose for us if we can add value wherever we can that's what we're going to try and do in the SCEF, you know absolutely we'll bring your your chef into the equation now we're joined by Michael Michael good morning to you uh, what's it been like there this morning uh, kind of busy keep going we sell already few give for free and keep going we see how we'll be later on. Mm. And we what, have lots of pancakes. A lot of pancakes, yeah. And yeah. what what particular ingredients or what are people going for today? Uh, mostly pancakes are going with Nutella, a bit of uh, okay. maple syrup. Yeah, That's yeah. what people like, actually, a bit of lemon. Lemon, yeah. And what, yeah. Other, what other sort of ingredients are you offering there with the pancakes today, along with the cup of tea and coffee? Uh, we'll be a bit of fresh fruit and maple syrup and the butter on the top. Great stuff. And in terms of actually prep for this, have you had to make a, a huge bowl of batter or, or what's the, the prep been like for this? Uh, prepping, actually, we prep uh, the pancakes uh, mix uh, last night. Just make sure it's uh, nice, fluffy. Every, each pancakes will be actually fluffy and soft for customers today. Okay. And what is the secret to the fluffy American-style pancake? Uh, like I say... Fresh ingredients, fresh eggs, everything fresh, very well shipped flowers, and keep for minimum 12 hours overnight in the fridge. That is the main key, key point. Uh, I, I, I'm conscious that you are, you are serving pancakes now, so I don't want to, to keep you too delayed, but do you have a good uh, work uh, staff there with you today to help uh, fire out yeah, the pancakes I, between now and five o'clock? Yeah, yeah, they will be. There is already few chefs who are actually making pancakes all the time. Great, great stuff. And are you expecting a big rush come lunchtime or when's the big rush in pancakes expected today? Actually, I think it'll be around one o'clock. The biggest rush will be. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, I'll just bring back in uh, Patrick onto the initiative. <laughs> there will be a lot of uh, different uh, events uh, happening during the Lenten period. Is there any plans for, for Ash Wednesday or any other day? Good Friday, I know, is a day where meat is generally not. Is there any other initiatives planned? 
Well, I suppose for us in the SCEF, um, you know, we have a weekly program of events. Uh, you know, we're, you know, the SCEF is a big centre for sports. We're looking forward to the Six Nations coming back this weekend. Um, so we, we're kicking off Saturday, I suppose, Italy and uh, Italy and Ireland match is going to be a big one uh, this Saturday. So we're, we're a big, you know, sports is one of our big uh, drivers in the SCEF. When it comes to one-off events, we haven't really looked at anything over the rest of Lent, Lent but um, I can tell you that music bingo was this Thursday in the SCEF. So hopefully you'll be able to come along yourself. Absolutely. Well, uh, gentlemen, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Patrick Ganan, the marketing manager at the SCEF, and Michael Koshuna, the head chef there. Thank you for joining us indeed on uh, Galway Talks this morning. Um, I must say, after that, I am really looking forward to digging into some American-style pancakes. So I might just have to make my way down to Air Square, I think. Cup of coffee, cappuccino, maybe. We'll see. We'll have to see what happens. But uh, now that we're going to turn our attention to our Garda slot on the programme today, I'm delighted to say we're joined by uh, Garda Kevin Farley. Uh, Garda Kevin, a very good morning to you. Good morning. It's been a very busy week, uh, Garda Kevin Farley. Talk to us first, though. There was a serious road traffic accident on the Headford Road in Galway. That's right. Guardian Galway investigating a fatal road traffic collision involving a pedestrian and a vehicle on the N84 near Cara Brown on the Headford Road, Galway, on Sunday the 19th of February, shortly before 6.30am. The pedestrian sadly passed away. Guardian and Galway are appealing for any witnesses or anyone that was travelling in either direction on N84 near Cara Brown on the Headford Road, Galway, to come forward. Any road users who may have seen anything or noticed anything on the road at this time, and especially road users who may have dash cam footage and were travelling on Headford Road between 5.30am and 6.30am on Sunday the 19th of February, are asked to make this footage available to Gardaí. Anyone who has any information in relation to this incident are asked to contact Galway Garda Station on 091-53000 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-1 or indeed any Garda Station. Now there were burglaries in Dunmore in Galway. That's right. Guardian Tumor investigating a burglary that occurred on Thursday the 9th of February in Gordon Agyne, Dunmore, Galway, between 6.30pm and 9.30pm. The homeowner returned to the house to discover some of cash and jewellery taken from the house. Guardian looking to speak to anyone with any information in relation to this crime or indeed anyone who may have witnessed any suspicious activity in the area. Around this time, I asked to contact Tumor Garda Station on 093 70840 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 Now on to another burglary now, this time in Loch Ray. That's right, Garda and Loch Ray are investigating a burglary that took place between 3.40am and 4am on Friday the 17th of February at a hardware store in Main Street, Loch Ray. A large quantity of electronic items were taken. Entry was gained through the roof of the premises. If anyone is offered electronic items uh, in suspicious circumstances or at a value much cheaper than the electronic equipment is worth, they are asked to contact Gardaí. Gardaí looking to speak to anyone with any information in relation to this incident or indeed anyone who may have witnessed or any suspicious, suspicious activity in the area around this time are asked to contact Loch Ray Garda Station on 091 842 or the Garda line at 1800-6601. All right, Gareth Kevin Farley, thank you indeed uh, for joining us on Galway Talks this morning. Thank you. 
Now, still to come on today's programme, I'm delighted to say we will be looking at uh, the Galway Chambers uh, charity Linner event supporting Galway Hospice, a great initiative there that's taking place on Friday at 3 o'clock in the Jekyll at the Hyde. And uh, also we'll be speaking with Sandra O'Malley. She's talking to us about the Blue Raincoat Theatre Company presenting Happy Days by Samuel Beckett at the Town Hall Theatre uh, today. It's at 8 o'clock today, so... Um, Looking forward to hearing about that as well. Uh, so all that plus lots, lots more still to come on today's programme. But first, a little piece of music to take us up to the top of the hour. And this one is from The Fray. I found God on the corner of first and Amistad Where the West was all but Smoking his last cigarette I said, where you been? He said, ask
absolutely love that song. That is You Found Me by The Fray. Still to come on today's programme, as we mentioned there, we'll be looking at... Um, that charity uh, Linner event, which will be taking place on Friday by the Goway uh, Chamber. And we're also looking at the Blue Rainco Theatre Company presenting Happy Days by Samuel Beckett. All that plus lots, lots more to come on Goway Talks. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie.